CHN Radio, episode 89, like the year I was born, in the 19th of 89. Wow, sick intro, bro. Greg Troxel, you can follow me on Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg, um, and we have a, it was a long break, which is obviously why the slow intro is happening now, because like, clearly out of touch here, clearly, but to help me get back on track, I have with you. In your ears, the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Yeah, I mean uh, Elijah Newsom coming off a, uh, a a tough a tough week in Atlanta sports and Georgia sports in general. Just so the people know, uh, this past week, um, Atlanta Braves, our baseball team, gave up ten runs in in the first inning, which is something that has literally never been done before, and then. The Falcons lost, and then Georgia football lost, and then Miles Robinson for Atlanta United got injured, and then the Falcons lost again. So just, it's been a tough week, Greg. It's been a tough week. But if people yeah. want to hear me complain, is at Elijah underscore Newsom is my name on the Twitters. Yeah, that's, it, it's a tough one. It, of all the cities in America... Um, it's, it's like, it's between Atlanta and Minnesota as the most depressing when it comes to sports. Oh, I wonder where you heard that take, Greg. Um, actually I've said that take for years. You have, I, I will say that. Four years. I, I'm um, not going to say anything cause I took that take and I tweeted about it and it got really, it did really well. Oh no, it's so true. I mean, I, yeah, the other city Pro- is San Diego, but then you can't, you can't. Include them because they live in San Diego, and then the other town would be Cleveland, but then they just won. So, But also, like, Cleveland, like, they embrace a suck, and it's like, there's a difference between consistently sucking and then, like, consistently being heartbroken. Like, Minnesota and Atlanta have had good teams. Like, the Twins won 101 games this season to just get swept, which is sad. Like, they literally set an MLB record for hitting home runs to then get swept. Like, the Vikings went to the Super Bowl with one of the greatest offenses of all time and lost. Like They went four times. Yeah. That's a different level than just, like, being really bad for a long time and then (laughs) getting your one moment of greatness because you have that one moment of greatness. Like, it's, yeah, going to what, how many times did the Braves win the pennant, like, the division? They won, like, 10 or 12 times or something ridiculous. I think it was 15. Yeah. There you go. Even worse. In a row. And then one World Series came from that. One. After getting the playoffs 15 straight seasons. And arguably the hardest sport to get into the playoffs in. But that's enough uh, American (laughs) sports talk. We're not even going to mention the the terrible U.S. men's national team. Oh, we are going to mention them. In a little bit. Uh, Um, I forgot we have to talk about it. Yeah. So... Give us a follow on our podcast account on Twitter at THN underscore radio. And then follow our website, comminghomenewcastle.com, and our main our website's main account. That's your best source for update, updates on game day, um, just constant current news, because our podcast account is just a podcast. But this account is the main one, and that's at Coming Home and UFC. Yeah. So let's get into some club news, and it's going to go over the international break. Some interesting stuff going on. Um, actually, the international break is not over. I've been wondering this for a while, but like, there's not a lot of like Ghana's news out there. But like, Ghana has a game tomorrow. So it's like, it's Christian Atu not going to play against Chelsea. I mean, yeah. <laughs> or is he not there? Like, he was called in, but was it just a training, and then he went early. I don't know. That's, that just that's... reminded me of some reason of the fact that. 
I'll, I'll save that for the end. Remind me to to make an announcement at the end. Okay. And I might uh, remind myself, but yeah. Well, you, yeah. Usually, you know, when you make a note to remind you, you'll just remember. That's how I like to think about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So some <laughs> international news. Uh, we'll start. We'll we'll just go through each of the players. Um, Miguel Amaran to start. He he dove again. Um. He started the first match against Serbia. It was a one nothing loss. Actually, Mitro scored the winner. Um, and Mickey got a yellow and then a second yellow uh, for diving. And it was a dive. And it needs to stop. And he got sent off. Yeah. Your, your thoughts I, on I, that? I mentioned this on the... If you haven't heard me on uh, Roberto Rojas' podcast... I've now just forgotten the name of it, but low limit I, football. Yes, jeez, long day. Um, but I we talked about this, and I'm very much in the theory that Miguel Almiron has dived to with success for the majority of his career. So I think he's now in because like this was UEFA refs, um, from my understanding for this match because it was in Europe. Um, so I don't think there were South American refs. They obviously do not it, like. I feel like in South America and in the Americas in general, like a lot of players are almost rewarded for diving at times, just due to like some points. Like if you look at the United States, for example, in Concacaf, just the pure incompetence of the refs allows for players who dive a lot, especially if they're big name players who are successful players. Like they get calls because the Concacaf refs suck. And then like on the other hand, South American refs, I think like part of the culture of South American football is that there are people who inherently dive and like that is just a part of the game. And like you look at a lot of players that we see playing in Europe and they have the same issues, Neymar, Suarez, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, one of the only South American players I can think of that doesn't consistently dive is Messi. So I do think part of it is like, it is something that he is so used to doing and was almost raised to do coming from a South American background and coming and playing in the Americas, that it's going to be a hard behavior to correct. But if he doesn't correct it soon, it's just going to be a detriment to his team, especially when you're already on a yellow and you dive and get a second yellow. That's just not great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, he didn't play the next match uh, where they the ever-weighted matchup between Martin Dubrovka and Miguel Almiron, but um, neither did Dubrovka. He didn't play in that game either. Uh, so going to Slovakia, uh, Dubrovka, he played in one match. It was the Euro qualifier against the Welsh. It was 1-1 draw. Um, they He had six saves in the match and had a pretty good save on Gareth Bale. Uh, so Slovakia is sitting in, in second place in Group E. Um, they're three points behind Croatia in that Going to Sweden now. But do you have any comments on Doobie? No. Um, okay. Good for him. Sweden uh, used Emil Kraft as solely a training dummy as he was an unused sub in both matches. Our only youth call-up, Oisin McKenty, U19 from Ireland. He was the captain in their first match. Named the captain, played the full 90 uh, they lost to Denmark one nothing, and then he did not play in their second match against Denmark. Head into Africa, Mosangare at Liberia. He started and played about an hour of the match. They they beat Chad one nothing in the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, and then he was an unused sub in the second match, which. Uh, Liberia had a man sent off, and then Chad scored, and then won on penalties, which eliminated Liberia for the African Cup Nation. So that kind of sucks. Should have played Mo. That's what I say. Mm. Right? I agree. Uh, play Mo. Yeah. Pay Mo, play Mo. Unless hey, his hey. name's Mo Diame. Then just don't play him. I wonder how he's doing. He's doing great. Oh, yeah. um, good for him. Fabian Cher in Switzerland, he started both matches, played the full 90 in both matches. They lost to Denmark 1-0, and then they beat Ireland 2-0. Um, 
keeping Switzerland alive for the Euro qualifiers or for the Euros. And then my last update is DeAndre Yedlin. He didn't play in their match against Cuba, which they won seven to nothing, but he did play in their two to nothing embarrassing loss to Canada. Um, pretty average performance for Yedlin. He did completely lose a man that led to a goal, but um, he like did some decent things as well. So, but no one's talking about that. Everyone's talking about Michael Bradley. So yeah. So Michael. like at least no one noticed that he gave up a goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, really that's bad. an improvement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and that's your international break. Just riveting stuff. Want to go yeah, to the? I mean, BS it, this would be longer if we had better players. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just the truth of that segment. Yeah. Let's go to the BS meter. Oh. Yeah. How do you feel about Newcastle United offering 28 million euros for a striker that has yet to play this season? That's 22 years old. By the name, Jean-Philippe Bateta. Well, from what I read, that that was the striker that the Germany was saying we like the Ger- like I think Bild said that we made a bid for. From my understanding, it was a bid we made over the summer. Mm. Because. I... Mm. Oh, I think I've stumped Greg. We broke yeah. him, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm looking now. I don't see when the bid was made. Because that, that's what I bid. saw when I saw it. It was tweeted by the Chronicle. Like, they tweeted in their tweet that it was a bid made over the summer. Tweeted in the tweet. Got it. So, um, that would be... Yeah, they said, according to reports in France, in June, they opened the bidding for mine striker Jean-Philippe Meteta, and because he scored 14 goals last season. And so, I would say this isn't that much of a load of BS, because... Newcastle tried they under they under offered for the player, which is very on brand for Newcastle. Yeah. So I'd say this actually probably happened. Like like the asking price was thirty five million euros. And what Newcastle bid was somewhere between seventeen million and twenty two million euros, which is over ten million less than what they asked, which makes perfect sense for Newcastle. So this happened. Hundred percent. All right, I, I love it. Unfortunately for our listeners, or maybe fortunately, there's no more news to report. So, oh wait, wait, time out. I've got some BS oh, news for you. Wait, courtesy of the you Chronicle. have to make an announcement, huh? No, oh no, no. This is more important. I've got BS meter for you because I didn't realize like the actual Chronicle article on that was like four guys Newcastle apparently made bids for. So we can just go down the list, and All you right. can kind of you can. Oh wow, there's more. Oh, this is great. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is this is actually going to be so fun. All right. Because some of these names are just like... Some of these names make sense, and some of these names are just like, what? Are you serious? So, um, Turkish outlet um, 61 Sot, which is just great. Um, there was uh, said that there were four clubs, um, Liverpool, Arsenal, Newcastle, and Spurs, that went to go scout and potentially will be bidding on Turkish goalkeeper, 23-year-old Ergerkan Sakir, who has been killing it in the Super League and has has one cap for Turkey. So BS meter on that. Um, And by the way, he plays for Trabzonspor, who is in Europa League. Um, Pretty consistently top of Super League team. Um, Thoughts on that? 23-year-old goalkeeper from Turkey, good for his club, not a lot of international recognition yet. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say not that bs Yeah, we scouted a guy that's 23. Dubrovka could be leaving within the next two seasons. Yeah. I don't doubt it. And so could Freddie Woodman. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where this could be. I don't think Newcastle would actually move forward with a bid 
just due to the fact that the parties involved, you're looking at Liverpool, Arsenal, Newcastle, and Spurs. And so it's going to be overpaying for a keeper, um, essentially because he's young and he's playing Europa League. So it's, it's going to be tough to, to actually see Newcastle making a legit bid for him. But I believe that they're interested in that they scouted. Um, here's one that you actually alluded to a couple podcasts ago. Um, Lewis Gibson. Uh, Newcastle are being tipped to re-sign Lewis Gibson. Um, of course, promising center back who left the club um, to join Everton in a six million pound deal. Who, as you mentioned, this was actually two podcasts ago. I'm pretty sure you mentioned is going to be out of contract next summer. Um, he's very close to the Longstaff brothers, and he uh, he's apparently at a crossroads as to his future with Everton, and may consider going back to Newcastle. Um, for a permanent move. Shocked. I said he was I said he was an idiot for going to Everton because he'd already be a first team player. But um here we are. Not not surprised, no BS there. Yeah, I mean I'm very, very true. Um here's here's this is something. Uh so Man United still apparently are pursuing Sean Longstaff they have believed that they are going to up their bid this winter to forty million pounds, despite Sean Longstaff not having the same level of impact in terms of statistics. I would say as he did last season. Like, I mean, he's been great watching him in person. I think he's been wonderful, but he, you know, he hasn't scored really, and he hasn't assisted. So, I mean, it's interesting that there's a claim that um, Ed Woodward's just positive that they can uh, get him for 40 mil um, when well, this somewhat has been confirmed that Newcastle set their asking price at 55 million pounds pretty much to steer Man U away from pursuing him but they're looking like they're going to offer 40 mil in the winter do you believe it? No Hmm Interesting um, so, uh, we got another one. Dude, this is great. This is, this is the best part of the year because we're getting into transfer season. Ronnie Lopez, uh, from Sevilla. He is a winger, um, who just, uh, joined Sevilla last month. Um, Julian Lepighetti, who I did not know was the manager of Sevilla. Um, he is not very keen on him. Um, even though they paid 25, uh, million euros for him, um, but he apparently is going to be allowed to leave in January. The asking price is unknown, um, but essentially it's probably going to be roughly 25 million euros to 30 million euros. Everton, Newcastle, and West Ham are all interested. Thoughts? Uh, I don't know on this one. I, it's a weird one. Yeah. Uh, I mean... This is harder than I expected. Well, the other, the other issue, so a little background on Ronnie Lopez. Um, Manchester City product, uh, kind of product. He played in Benfica and then signed with Manchester City when he was a teenager and was like just kind of in their academy getting loaned out. Um, and then he uh, moved to Monaco um, and for like £9 million. And he was very good for Monaco. Pretty good. Um towards the end of his time at Monaco, um, in like 2017 to like 2019, he was like a regular there. And so had a lot of high hopes. And then when Monaco had kind of a fire sale, some of Ajax the past couple summers, this past summer, most notably, um, mm-hmm. he got sold to Sevilla, but he hasn't really made, um, a lot of, uh, appearances on a Lopagetti, which I don't know if that's a Lopagetti thing or like a, is he not performing at La Liga level? But it's interesting because he's played pretty much at every other kind of lower. I wouldn't say lower, but he's played he's played well in league. Uh, he's played well in like the Danish league and like he you know Portuguese league and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's definitely interesting. And he's represents Portugal, so even though he's Brazilian, but he's twenty three years old, still a bright future yeah. ahead of him. It's tough. Yeah. I, I'm gonna say like pretty strong BS vibes on this one, just because. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. This is harder. 
I just don't feel like Newcastle. There's a chance it could leader, happen. I just don't I, think he would pick us. That's where my BS this is going. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm more in the boat of like, if Newcastle sign a winger, it would require them selling permanently another winger for some bit of cash. And so, like, you'd have to sell Jacob Murphy permanently, which, like, he's just not performing to the level that I think a lot of us thought he would be. Um, I think you and I both were in the boat that he was going to be a project guy, but, like, this much of a project is not what I was expecting. So, like, I don't think you're going to get a lot for him, even though you can add the young English inflation. I don't think you're going to get a lot from him, enough to cover the sale and make it realistic. Um, yeah. I mean, another option is that you sell Almiron, but, again, that doesn't make that much sense in the grand scheme of things. And if Ronnie Lopez comes to Newcastle, where does he fit in? I mean, that would I think that would require a formation change because if you have a, another kind of talented midfield... Well, hold on, hold on. There's no formation changes when we don't have a manager that understands formations. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is that I mean, he's an attacking midfielder, per se, but he can play as a winger. He can play... He's similar, very similar to Miguel Andron. So it's going to be, it would be a weird situation to put Steve Bruce in because that would require him, like you said, to have some sort of tactical ingenuity and he just doesn't have that. So, um, but yeah, there's a few more on here. Um, some of these are pretty laughable. Um, Yusuf Paulson. Uh, so this is the Express. So we're getting into like not really, you know, I wouldn't say the most credible sources, but Yusuf Polson, I'm sure you guys know he is, is Danish um, striker who is killing it for RB Leipzig uh, and has been for the past three or four seasons. Um, he's 25 and he's gaining interest from Everton as well. No shocker. I mean, um, so yeah, I, I'm going to say it's a load of BS on this one. Newcastle can't afford Yusuf Polson. Um, Yusuf Polson's probably going to be the next big striker sale because. He consistently puts up good numbers, um, but I'm also not all the way in on Yusuf Polson because I think he's a system player. But that's oh, this is definitely a Ford F150. A Ford uh, Ford F150. Yeah, Ford F150 just full of BS. Oh, okay, I thought you meant the Ford F150 is S. So I was like, I mean, I don't really know. I'm not a truck guy. <laughs> all right, and then we got some familiar names to kind of um, close this out. Um, actually, pretty much all. There's there's way more people on this list than I thought. I'm yeah, gonna, just do like two I'm more. I'm going to do two more. Um, yeah. This is a long-ass list. Jeez, what the heck? There's some names think, on here that I think they're just doing like random player name generators. This is, no, I mean, part of the, these are all like – this actually took a ton of research because this is like – this is a very long list. Okay. All right. Um. Okay, that's not the point. Um. So let's uh, let's do a couple more Um. that are somewhat interesting. Um. Bastost. Never going to happen at, at all. <laughs> okay, okay. This is, this, uh, I'll read it. Um, so he did... Uh, so he's actually going to move from Eintracht Frankfurt. He's going to... It's, yeah, he's going to move to Eintracht Frankfurt from Sporting. Um, I'm pretty sure that deal is done. And he might already be there. Or he's joining in January. I don't remember. Um, yeah. But it was uh, Portuguese media outlet said that Newcastle were interested in his services this summer, um, offering a loan-to-buy deal with uh, for the 30-year-old, but it was rejected by the club. And I 100% believe this, because if you look at what Newcastle did at the end of the summer window, is that they tried to get a proven backup striker that was older, and you it was a low-risk, high-reward situation. And that's exactly what Newcastle ended up getting with Andy Carroll with his reportedly pay-to-play pro- uh, contract. Andy Carroll's a proven striker. You know he can score goals. Um, and you got him on a deal that's club-friendly. And that would have been the situation Bastos. We know Bastos can score goals. Can he score at the Premier League level? I don't know. No one knows. Um, but you know he can score goals. And this is a, a club-friendly deal. It's a loan to buy. It's no- low risk high reward situation so i believe that newcastle did reach out to to sporting um because i believe they reached out to sporting literally every summer for the past five years yeah <laughs> it's not it's never gonna happen what's what's the next one <laughs> well it's 30 now so we're running out of time um i'm just gonna choose a random one from this list um 
Okay, this is actually just a running list uh, of... Okay, because some of these are just like, we knew this already happened. Um, let's see. This is one that I did not think was going to happen. <laughs> um... All right, so no more? <laughs> yeah, oh, Axel Tenzube, which is, um, that's an interesting one to me because he's one of the Man United uh, youth players that um, they've always kind of let on alone, which would be an interesting player because he plays center back and right back. That's just something I'm interested in seeing, like, kind of where his his career goes. Do I think it'll be with Newcastle? Probably not. Definitely not. But I mean, shout out to Axel. It's a dope name. But yeah, that's all I got. But that that was cool though. I'm glad yeah. the Chronicle has a list of every single player because it's kind of fun. We could just go back to this list and then rate how realistic we thought any of these signings would be. Because it literally, I think it starts. It's a ongoing thread from Jan from like January. Like there's some crazy names. Like Donny Van de Beek is on here. Like, there's just no way in hell Newcastle legitimately thought they had a, a, a shot at him. Like, it's just, I don't know. Anyway. All right. Well, um, one more update is you may have seen in our most recent retweets on the podcast account is that we have sponsored Jess Foster for this year. Um, she scored three days ago. Shout out to Jess. We'll get her on yep. the pod. That's actually... You guys, you have to hold us accountable to this. We'll get her on the pod. That's a promise. And Elijah Newsom, Greg Troxel certified promise. Yeah. Me. All right. So we're gonna yeah, go, we're gonna, gonna dive into our match against Chelsea coming up this Saturday, and we are going to do that right after this break. Oh, Elijah. Newcastle's wins this year are against Spurs and Man United. We might as well just go and beat Chelsea, too. And you know what's crazy? It could happen. It could. If this is a weird year for the Premier League, and, like, this is this is the time to take advantage of those matches. It's one of those things where this season makes me miss Rafa even more because, like, we would be in a much better position with the Rafa Benitez tactics um, than with Steve Bruce's lack of tactics. And it's very frustrating because a lot of the teams that we struggle with in the past are not doing well. Yep. All right. So, so let, let's uh, let's start with the Premier League table in this one, just to catch any, anybody up in case we were, uh, you know, and you just forgot everything from the time the Premier League stopped playing, which seems like like four years ago to now. So uh, Liverpool run away right now. Chelsea is sitting in fifth place at 14 points. And then if you scroll down to 16, you have Newcastle United with eight points. Um, so there is a, a bit of a gap, but nothing outrageous. Literally a win against Chelsea, and we're three points behind them. So um, that's kind of weird to think about. So we're, we'll get to the the team news. So Golo Kante uh, got injured for France. So he's not expected to play. Um, Andreas Christensen has a hamstring injury, uh, got a hamstring injury uh, for Denmark, and he's not going to play. Um, Reese James he withdrew from England's U21 squad from an injury. Um, Rudiger is still hurt, but might he has a chance to play, but hasn't played in a while, so that could be something. Um, Kovacic picked up a leg injury on an international break. A um, lot, lot going on. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is out. Emerson's out. You get, the, you get the, you get the hint, right? Yeah, I mean <laughs> Chelsea have been riddled with injury. I mean, yeah, maybe we see Christian Pulisic. Maybe not. Probably not. Actually. <laughs> Um, on Newcastle side, Florian Lejeune's out. It, uh, it seems Matt Ritchie is out. And Isaac Hayden is out on suspension. And then um, the, just one thing to note before you get into your lineup predictions is 
what's going on with Dwight Gale and John Joe Shelby? So you're up, Elijah. Take us through how you think we'll line up. I will say this. John Joe Shelby and Dwight Gale did both participate in training this week. John Joe Shelby even scored the match winner in a training session. Um, But that doesn't mean anything um, because he won't start this weekend. So I... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Same lineup that we did oh, against Man U. I'm so on board for this. Yeah, like, you just roll out the exact same thing until it doesn't work anymore. Especially if you're Steve Bruce and you're not capable of coming up with something better. Just keep doing what works. I mean, it worked against Tottenham, worked against Man U, it can work against Chelsea. So you know what that means. Our boy, Martin Dubrovka, is going to be in goal. Um, DeAndre Yedlin, Fabian Shear, Jamal Lascelles, Karen Clark. Our back line with Jetcher Willems as well. Jetcher Willems, who, again, we mentioned it last week, but according to Fat Mob, man of the match. So shout out to him. Um, Miguel Adrion, uh, Sean Longstaff, Maddie Longstaff, Alan St. Maximon, and Joel Anton um, are going to be uh, the attack or whatever you want to call it. Um, I have to give Steve Bruce a little bit of credit, and I don't think I did give him credit last time. Excuse me. Um, but um, the way he set up Matty Longstaff for success was actually pretty spot on. He was able to kind of hide some of the weaknesses, similar to how Sean Longstaff played last year um, in his debut. Um, he kind of allowed him to get a little bit more forward, which hid some of his defensive weaknesses, which may not be weaknesses in reality, but just like an inexperience of defending at the Premier League level. So that was really cool, and if we can continue to do that and kind of ease him into like that full-blown box-to-box midfielder role, you could actually have a very good tandem with Sean Longstaff, who's coming into his own as a box-to-box midfielder. I think his defending has gotten much better. Um, we're not seeing it so much on the offensive side in terms of numbers, but I think that he's much better at retaining possession, and he looks a little bit more comfortable on the ball than he did last year, and he already looked comfortable on the ball. And so I think kind of easing Matty Longstaff into these tactics into the Premier League football as a whole, getting him up to speed, is only going to bode well for him, and it's going to produce similar results. And you could eventually find yourself going into January with a very solid midfield pairing and healthy competition with Isaac Hayden being a very good option as well, Matty Longstaff being a good option, and hopefully that propels Jojo Shelby to even, you know, in somewhat key, I guess, to, to also step up their games as well. Wow, that, you took that from a starting 11 to, like, future into January discussion. <laughs> well, you know, I like to switch you know. things up on this pod. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I definitely want us to, I mean, I, I would be so happy if we just kept the same lineup. Uh, but going forward, so looking into the match itself, what's, what's some things that Newcastle have to do to win this game? I think it's about, one, defending as a unit. I think that's one of the first things I noticed about Manchester United is it seemed like for the first time this season, probably since Tottenham, Newcastle defended as a unit, you kind of saw easily, um, that, uh, you could you could recognize easily who was supposed to be defending what areas of the pitch. When were they man marking? When were they zone marking? So I think defending as units key. And then I think going forward in terms of attack, same kind of kind of plan. Um, you need to rely on one of the front three to draw a lot of attention from the defense. It's probably going to be Saint Maxman because he is the best dribbler on the team. He is the best in terms of retaining possession. I think he's the best in terms of controlling his individual speed and um, recognizing his quickness compared to other defenders' quickness. I think Miguel is quick and can do that, but I don't know if he's he's demonstrated he's able to do that at the Premier League level yet. Um, but I think St. Maxman's a little bit more experienced in doing that at higher levels, and he does it well, and it draws attention to him, which of course frees up space for other guys to make runs. So as long as we're able to have a, a, a solid plan on attack um, and get those three involved. Um, I think that they'll be fine. But defending as a unit is the most important thing, especially when you're coming up against a squad where, again, you have a midfield and attack that costs more than your entire team. Yeah. Yeah, For uh, it's going to kind of line up nicely as far as, like, they, they're kind of come out in that 4-3-3 and we're, we're going to drop back. 
and especially playing on the road in London, uh, it's it's we have no choice. I, I think, and I hope Seabrooks understands that and, and does that. If Newcastle's going to win, it's going to be getting a counterattacking goal, and that's going to come through probably St. Gucci Max. Um, that's that's what we're going to have to look to do. Uh, he's he's going to be the most dangerous player going forward, and um, we're not going to get many opportunities to do so. The I don't think we're going to score at all in the run-up of play because like you're going to have it's it's essentially it's going to be the same thing that we've seen. It's Joel Intune, goal Intune. That's going to be going up against essentially like four defenders. Like <laughs> when we actually have possession, so it's just going to be really hard for him to work in those situations. So we're going to mm-hmm. have to strike on the counter and then defend perfectly. That's the only way that I see us pulling out three points in this one. Yeah. Um, is there, are there some, uh, actually I'll, I'll go first with like a player to watch out for. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to be the obvious one for me. It's Tammy Abraham. He has eight goals. I <laughs> like that's, that's insane. We don't have a single player that has two goals yet. And he has eight. Actually, I think I'm pretty sure he scores. He scored more goals this year than we've scored. So, yeah, it's it's insane. So yeah, Tammy Abraham is an absolute weapon right now. Um, he's my player to watch. What about you, Elijah? Well, I mean, as much slack as Chelsea's been getting for a slow start to the season, I think it would be kind of remiss of us to not mention the fact that they've looked somewhat decent in their last five matches. I mean, they beat Southampton 4-1, they beat Lille 2-1, Brighton 2-0, who else they played? Oh, I mean, Grimsby Town, that was whatever. They looked a little shaky coming out of that, but we're not even cut down. And then, of course, they lost to Liverpool. Um, so, I do want to mention that Chelsea's not going to be... Um, they're, they're definitely more vulnerable than they have been in the past couple years, but they're still, in terms of just pure talent-wise, just miles ahead of Newcastle at this point. And I think that all kind of like shows itself when you look at their their three in the midfield that they that they tend to run with um if they come out in the four two three or four two three one depends on what they're feeling um but mason mount callum hudson adoy and willian are just players to watch um and their last matches, William and hudson adoy had an assist and mason mount had a goal mason mount's been killing it and he's of course another young English talent everyone's getting excited about, but I do think he's the real deal. Um, and Willian, although he's been somewhat poor this season, seems to be finding himself um, to have some decent matches the past couple of matches. And Hudson Adoy has just been like, just he's electric, and he is essentially him and Tammy Abraham are like right now what Chelsea fan base have their faith in. And then we're talking about midfield. The midfield battle is just going to be absurd because you've got the long slaps going up against Jorginho and N'Golo Conte, which might be one Conte's of the best. Conte's out. Oh, he's out. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He is out. But, I mean, still Jorginho is great. And whoever they put in the midfield next to him is going to be – maybe it's going to be Kovacic, who – sorry, that's a great midfielder as well. So uh, Kovacic got hurt. Jeez. Oh, they're actually Remember? screwed. Remember, did not remember. Remember when I did the injury thing? Yeah, but there were so many names that I just like. I mean, tuned out. So Kovacic is actually he's listed as doubtful, but he's not technically out. But he did get hurt and was subbed off um, in the in the, during the international break for Croatia. All right, let's just ignore those and focus on the fact that we still have to go against Mason Mount, Callum Hudson, or Dwayne Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just <laughs> definitely just that. Let's focus and on those you know, three guys. You know who probably goes in is Ross Barkley. He played well for England. Um, and he'll probably, I, I could, I wouldn't be shocked if he got a start. Yeah. I mean, it's about damn time. So, you know, who's tied for Chelsea for the lead in assists? Uh, just Christian Pulisic. Correct. Yeah. All I right. mean, it's kind of shocking he hasn't played just on that stat alone, but you know, Frank <laughs> Lampard, he doesn't like it when you criticize him. So, oh, Lampy. Um, just uh, and I said this last podcast. I still don't think he's for real. I don't think he's that great of a manager. I think he yeah. has a really good squad. Like people say that with Pep Guardiola, but like if you look at how Pep Guardiola operates as a person, you can tell he's a very good manager. I don't think Frank Lampard is a good manager. Just that's my hot take of the year, and I'm sticking by it. There we go. It's super hot fire in here. Um, some stats 
for you. Newcastle have lost their last seven matches at Chelsea in all comps. Um, they have also given up at least two goals in their last seven mit- matches at Chelsea. Um, and Chelsea have scored at least two goals in five of the last six Premier League matches. Going to 538, they are predicting each match, and I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, that with the second highest odds to win this season, or this this weekend, is Chelsea at 73%. Uh, there's a 9% chance that Newcastle could win, and an 18% chance there's a draw. So they're looking a very overwhelmingly favored Chelsea squad hosting Newcastle United. That's tough. Um, it's tough, but it makes sense. Elijah, what are, what are you going with here? Um, I think we're going to get a little bit back into reality here in terms of expectations for this team. I think just reverting to Rafa tactics isn't going to be... Um, I, I think it's going to help us stay safe, but I don't know if we should be expecting to beat Chelsea um, because I think looking at Man U and looking at Chelsea, there were a lot of factors that led us you know, to have that Man U win. Partially the fact that like they set up their tactics in a way that um, leaned heavily on us re- refuting back to like whatever tactics Steve Bruce has or whatever you want to call those, and we went with a completely different tactical plan. Um, so part of that, and then Manchester United have just consistently underperformed, um, and they were in a downward spiral. That was a home match, and now we're going away to Chelsea, um, and they've been very good their past few matches, and they're riding a little bit of a high, and they look more cohesive. And So I, I don't know. I think this is going to be a 2-1 loss for us. I just don't really see us competing with, the talent level they have on the field enough to get um, over the hump. I will say this, Miguel will score his first goal. Oh, he's still going with it. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And one day I'll be right, and then it'll be, it'll be great. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, so they've won their last four. They've won back-to-back Premier League matches. I'm obviously talking about Chelsea. Um, and... They've won seven straight at home against us. Uh, I think those stats are pretty strong in general there, and I'm, I'm going with Chelsea 2-0. Um, I, I, I think one goal each half, and that's it. I think it will be an ugly game, though. I don't think it's going to look pretty at all. A lot of sitting back from Newcastle and a lot of frustration shots from Chelsea. And, like, just one of them is going to go in. Like, it'll be a, a very simple mistake. Potentially a Yedlin mistake that just leads to a goal, and that's how we, we end up losing. Yeah. I hope it's not a Yedlin mistake. <laughs> but it's very likely. Well, uh, let's let's bounce the questions. We'll, we'll, we'll do that right after this break. All right, Elijah. We're, let's get back into it. Let's see what these questions about. You um, feel me? Yeah. All right. First one's Ted Phillips at ECR Phillips or Ekra Phillips. Um, remember Clouvert versus Chelsea in 05 FA Cup? <laughs> I mean, what does he Were want us to say? <laughs> I, yeah, was I born yet? Um, I was not a Newcastle fan yet. Um I, at that time, was eight years old. You were eight? So, yeah, I was eight. Okay. So, no, I don't I was, remember that. I was, I was probably a, eating my boogers. So, actually, so the the year, that year was the year I started watching Newcastle. Um, and it was old Patty Cluver, and it was in the FA Cup against Chelsea, as, as literally Ted said. Um, and it was a header. It was a goal in the second half against a nine-man Chelsea. And that one, I, I, I'm pretty sure that was the year. Like, Chelsea was going for, like, the quadruple, whatever that's called, the quadruplet of winning, like, literally every trophy you could win. And Newcastle eliminated them in the FA Cup uh, on that goal. 
Patty was rocking the cornrows, killing it. Back in 2005, you know it's you know you know what it is. Yeah, that was um, peak cornrow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, yes, I I do. I've seen the goal multiple times. It's it's a big goal. It um, especially for a team that they beat that was as good. I mean, they were down to nine men, but um, it's still an iconic moment for sure. So yes. Next question from, do you have anything you want to add? I know you, you old eight-year-old Elijah. No, I, I I can't, I don't think I had cornrows that year yet. I think I got cornrows in fifth grade, so in like 07. Um, actually, that's a, that's in 07, I attempted to get cornrows and I copped out because it hurt too much. Oh, pussy. <laughs> um, the real talk, I was going to do it for the senior game in basketball. Oh, you're so, oh, Wow. Jeez, yeah. I that's wild that that was your senior year of high school. Yep. That was um, fifth grade. That's wild. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so now the official questionnaire of CHN Radio, Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney 12, says, would you be a more – what would <laughs> – I can't read. What would be a more exciting American battle? Christian Pulisic versus DeAndre Yedlin in a soccer match or Chelsea Handler – Versus Chelsea Clinton in a boxing match. Bam. Man. Um, yeah, this is a this is a pretty incredible question. I know what the people vote for here, and it's and it's definitely Chelsea Handler versus Chelsea Clinton in a celebrity yeah, boxing match. But let's be the real, people will vote for that. I mean, they'll vote for that. But if here's this the was thing. democracy that would easily win. Here's the thing: when people can't fight. The fight sucks. <laughs> well, I... It's uh, it's funny. It's funny, but it lasts two minutes, and it's like, you look back on it like, eh, that was a waste of time. I'd rather see Pulisic play, and honestly, play somewhat well, and De- DeAndre Yedlin play somewhat well, and then get a little bit of hope about the men's national team. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much all we have. Like we'd, it'd be a stretch to get hope out of it. Um, I mean, yeah, I want to see a good America, like especially for the sport of soccer in the United States of America. Like, I really, really want them to kill it. It would, it would be a good look, especially given what happened this week. If like you can kind of feel a little bit of pride as an American, knowing that you have two Premier League players starting against each other. Um, this weekend, that'd be just uh, like a good, like, okay, you know, maybe things aren't all as bad as we thought it was. And then like, you'll wake up Monday and be like, oh yeah, Greg Berhalter is still our manager and like, (laughs) is very stubborn and won't change the system in order to fit his players. And then blames the clubs for not developing the players, even though the players are coming from clubs like Wolfsburg, who develop a lot of great players or Premier League clubs like Chelsea or Newcastle. That's a whole nother discussion. And... I don't know. I just I'm very frustrated with him. But that's yeah, I, I mean Chelsea. The Chelsea boxing match is what I'm picking, just because that that. I mean, it's just the definition of entertainment would be that. It's true. It's true. And I'm all about it. So, but yeah, for yeah, for like um, Matt Doyle and them, they're gonna take they're gonna take the the two Americans battling. I'll take the, the two Americans because I just like if I see a fight, I want it to be a good fight. Yeah, I don't, I don't care if it's a dumpster fire as long like, as it's a great time. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Well, Elijah, do you have anything else before we close out? Yeah. Um. So, uh, Greg and I talked about this off screen. I didn't tell him that I'm pretty much going to launch it, but I think this Sunday we'll start the uh, community FIFA for Newcastle career mode. Um. I played, I've been playing a little FIFA 20, and I saw this on Twitter. I thought it was a great idea. Why not get some of our followers involved? So essentially, um, I'll tweet out everything, how it works, maybe even write an article. Who knows? Depends on how I'm feeling Saturday. Um, but essentially, we'll have like a community career mode, and you guys kind of decide who we sign, who we sell, and can we make better decisions than Steve Bruce? What formation we play in? the tactics, the whole nine yards. It'll be a good time. I'll send every game so it won't be like we win the league, and we'll see where things go. If we get relegated, we get relegated. If we don't, we don't. 
all that good stuff. So it'll be a good Love time. Love it. Love it. Uh, where should people go to look for that, Elijah? We'll do that on the CHN Radio account. I think it'll be good to do a little bit more engagement um, with that account, um, get some more followers, all that stuff. If you aren't following it and you've listened to this podcast, I just, like, you need to follow it. So it's it's a good time. Um, Greg does a lot of the tweeting from there, and it's all good tweets. So I don't know what to tell you. Follow the account at CHN underscore radio. Must. All right. Well, that's going to conclude episode 89. Jesus. Of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. This is the best damn co host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And you are listening to the sweet, sweet sound of Coming Home Newcastle, a song written for us. Ladies and gentlemen, away the lads. Mm, we love you guys. As well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll pray for dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody to live in Jody land Some people think we're body And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker Who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion You've all seen him there before and I love the Geordie heroes There's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza Brendan Foster in the Games at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll pray for dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. I've walked the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother's in Hilly Howie. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog is in jail.